0: I'm Joel. And
1: I'm Lynn.
2: So you know who's who, just so there's no confusion. (laughs) And in our last episode, Lynn was sharing about her transition into grace and leaving, kind of leaving religion behind, leaving especially a performance-based religion behind, and entering into an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, um, exploring the Bible, and finding out not just more about God, but finding out more about herself. And in fact, Lynn, you said in the last episode, um, I asked if it was a little disconcerting because the Holy Spirit started to show you who you really were from God's perspective um, in terms of your flesh and some of the ugliness and your pride, And, and I asked if that wasn't disconcerting. What you said was, well, that's one way to put it. Actually, it was more like a year and a half from hell. And when we ended, you were starting to talk about what it was like to go through that. And we were doing that because of the people who, I mean, you're on the other side of that. That's been how many years ago now?
1: Oh, you would ask me that, 11 maybe? Okay, so yeah, Uh 11
2: years. So there's a lot of time, but for the person who might find themselves just now into that, um, what we wanna pick up on today and continue with is, so, What was that like? What helped get you through? What should a person expect who maybe they're only two or three months into this transition? They're starting to see themselves as not near as together, not near as holy, not near as good as they maybe once thought they were. Um, So go ahead, talk them through what, what you experienced, what they might experience, and then what they should hang on for and why there's so much hope because of grace at the other end.
1: Oddly, the profession that God sent me in two years ago is emotional and behavioral disorders. So one of the things wow. I always taught my future teachers, um, one of the things I taught them was Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. So Kubler-Ross was a physician probably in the 70s or 80s and she figured out that as her patients were dying, their families as they were grieving seemed to be showing similar signs of emotions, okay? Mm -hmm. And so she did some research and decided that people, when they go through grief, tend to experience similar kinds of things. And I realized when my life began to change and I lost 30 years of friends and I was headed some direction I didn't know, but I knew everything else was behind me, when some great change comes into your life, I was aware of Kubler-Ross's stages, right? Mm -hmm. So they've actually changed a little over the years, so I was gonna look for the most recent ones. Okay. First stage is denial.
2: And these are considered stages of grief, grief, stages of loss.
1: Right, but people go through them if someone close to you is dying, if um, there's a divorce, okay, if there's a great change, sometimes a move, or someone close right. to you dies, that kind of thing. So okay. some something big that shakes up your
2: there's, life. It's a trauma. It's a trauma too.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I, I certainly would call my transition a trauma.
2: Okay. <laughs> I'm glad you can laugh about it now because I know at the time it was far from anything you were wanting to laugh at. True. So go ahead. So what are so these stages? The
1: first stage is denial. When you know that something's not true that you thought was true or you're going to have to change or someone just died and there's this great shock your brain immediately goes, no, it can't be. I'm gonna wake up in the morning and, and things will be just exactly like right. they were, right? It, it just can't be, this can't be happening to me. The next stage is actually anger.
2: Okay. Now, I, I think we should probably do a whole episode on grace <laughs> and do. anger. Let's do, let's do, so, But anyway, so anger and that. So
1: it's normal at first to be shocked and then go, oh no. Mm -hmm, This isn't happening to me. And then to go to, I can't believe this came (laughs) into my life. You know, I'm so angry. You don't know what to be angry at what if all of a sudden you had a child with a disability because your kid got hit going across the street, right? Yes. Uh, Who are you gonna be angry with? Not the kid, the person who hit the kid, maybe the doctor who didn't fix the kid. You know, there's all this anger, it's called displaced anger, but you kind of don't know where it should go. Well, in this transition, I had this (laughs) anger, right? Um, very normal part. Mm-hmm. Okay. The next thing is...
2: All right. So when when we go to that episode, I'm going to want to hear who got <laughs> your displaced anger. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway,
1: okay. So, so I'm okay. kind of used to my life being public.
2: So anyway. Okay. So anger, and then what's the next stage?
1: The next stage, according to Kubler-Ross, is bargaining. So you want things to get better, um, and you're trying to bargain with a higher power. Okay, if I do this, will you do this? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe you'll give me my husband back if I do this, right? Or yes. m- maybe I can be good enough, and then everything Let's will make go back deal. to normal. Whatever Let's deal you want, deal. It, so yeah. The next stage is depression. Okay. When that doesn't work, and you're beginning to think that this change is going to be permanent, then there's this horrendous sorrow that sometimes sets in, that person's not coming back from the grave, my husband's never coming back to me, Um, what I thought was true is not true, and so the life that I once lived is not coming back, right? And that depression too is something that you can live with for a long time. And then the very last stage is acceptance or resolution. So at some point with all this upheaval, there needs to be hope that you can move forward, but not right. only move forward, but that things can be not just okay, but even better better than they were. And so that's the process, and for me, Joel, that process took five long years. Wow. I was a mess. I was a basket case for quite a while. And I had given my life to Jesus, and I was in the Word, Mm -hmm. and I was giving all this to the Lord, but the changes were long, and they were hard for me, and I think they are for anyone else. I actually was face down praying one morning, and it was as if I heard a voice say, Hang on, you're about to rise up.
2: Okay, wow. And
1: there was a moment then when peace came over me. It was as if I had transitioned through all of the stages, I had accepted things were resolving, I had hoped that things would be better, and then I was able to move on. But see, part of the horrendous thing that happens when you're going through stages like this, at least for me, was my family was in terrible upheaval.
2: Yes, this wasn't just you that was going through this, this was...
1: It was a result of circumstances as well. Right, and this is what happens, right? When one person maybe makes a different decision. Oh, yes. all of a sudden, this perfect eternal family that I had, I've got one on the outs, and then I've got two on the outs, and then I've got some on the outs and some on the ends, then I've got people yelling at each other, maybe not even physically yelling, but definitely on opposite ends of a spectrum. And definitely tension.
2: Oh, yeah so
1: and and relational tension right
2: right oh yes yeah and um this i mean and this is so common i mean we have um a couple different support groups through the ministry and these are the people that i'm working with day in and day out and this is pretty much now i would say a weekly occurrence where somebody comes into the group and they have had this crisis of faith Um, their involvement in their performance based religious group has unraveled they've started to see the truth they've realized they've been lied to they've realized things aren't as they were told and so while they're struggling with that they're realizing my spouse the person I've been closest to they're still all in Mm. they don't get this at all in fact they're starting to think I'm crazy and so this is a this is traumatic emotionally, spiritually, relationally, physically. I mean, we have people who struggle with being physically ill from the stress of this sort of transition. So, I mean, all that to say to people, it's not easy. And and I guess I would like to say at this point, and feel free to correct or add on here, but if you know someone who is in a performance-based religion, maybe, you know, hopefully, you know, you're not, you're, you're settled, you know, you've encountered grace. Please be patient with them. Please come alongside them. Please let them be angry, be depressed. Um, Give them the space that they need and the support that they need. Um, You may be one of the few anchors for their soul during a, And so don't rush them. Because we even see this sometimes in the support group. Well, people who have been out, people who are kind of where you are on the other side, it's been 10, 11, 15, maybe 20 years, and somebody new comes in, and they're in the middle of it. And it can be really tempting to say, well, it was all fake. You should know better. Um, You'll just get over it. It'll be fine. And that's really the last thing the person needs to hear. They're not ready to hear that. They just need support they need relationship they need community and understanding mm. feel free to comment so
1: agree it's what our ministry
2: does 24/7 <laughs> well, do
1: do- right right and it's so 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 needed as part of the process once you have surrendered your life to the biblical Jesus the god of grace right and this yes. grace enters you It says in the word that by our love they will know us. The one thing that sets a believer from the rest of the world is that we treat people with love. Is that we we have a love and a grace that God gave us that then we should be giving other people. So the divisions, that any kind of arguing, the infighting, should not be part of a believer's um, existence. Although, you know, some of that is just part of living in the world. But certainly you and I agree that a believer should be offering love and offering grace and being patient. Now, that little word love, also, I think, means offering truth, but truth in love, in right. the most gracious and patient
2: and, and gentle. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And, and your story, as you're telling it, brings to mind um, a verse that I just heard referenced in a message I was listening to this morning, which is Romans 8.28, which mm-hmm. says, God works all things together for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose." And so the one, the one probably biggest anchor of hope I would want to hold out to people is if you have come to know God, if you have had that grace encounter where you've traded your sin for the righteousness of Jesus, you're now an adopted love child of God and you're starting to go through this process, know your assurance is If you love God and again that love is that's relational Um, it's not just if you it doesn't say if you know God it doesn't say if you know a lot about God it doesn't say if you're serving God it says all things work together for the good of those who love God Mm -hmm. so if you love God you can know God and his incredible sovereign power and goodness can work even the trauma you're going through now whether you're in depression whether you're in grief, whether you're in denial, at whatever stage you find yourself, God can and wants to work that for your good so that coming out on the other side you have an ability to now give what you do have to other people and be a conduit. And I mean, from what I know that has certainly been your experience. God has released you to dreams and ministry and opportunities to touch other people's lives, um, probably beyond your wildest dreams from at least during that year and a half to five years when you were in the throes of some really messy stuff.
1: Had no intention to write a book or do ministry, (laughs) no. God has his own plans for all of this, doesn't he? He does.
2: (laughs) And that's our confidence. And so, you know, again, what we want to say is, Thank you so much for being a part of this journey. We hope it's a journey together, a journey into grace, and knowing grace, and knowing God. Um, Is there anything more you want to add about kind of your transition and your story?
1: Well, certainly we should end by giving hope, and that is that when God told me I was about to rise up, There was a moment of peace just washed over me, and I knew what I knew. I knew who He was. I knew who I was in Him. I knew that I was not ashamed of the Gospel. I knew that I'd be an absolute fool, even on a secular college campus, because of the changes that He'd made in my life. Um, I trusted Him. And yet it's a little scary to (laughs) totally let him have charge, right? Yes.
2: Um, So, Lynn, I'm guessing we have listeners right now who are going through these stages of grief in their transition. With the time we have left, I'd really like it if we could give them some practical stuff that they can use right now to start the healing process.
1: So you wanted to talk about anger, right, Joel?
2: Yeah, I want to start with anger because I think this is probably one of the most common and unsettling stages of the transition for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, was that your experience um, as you went through it and other people? Because I know you've also worked with a lot of people who are transitioning or have transitioned.
1: Yeah, hundreds of them probably. I would say... This is the most troubling stage just because people who don't move ahead or aren't ready to move ahead or are too bogged down by depression get stuck in this stage for long periods of time, sometimes months, sometimes even years. And I honestly think unless you come to some positive way to move ahead, this one can just eat you alive you may have heard me say before that a gentleman sat across from me at a coffee shop one time and said if i'd had someone like you to help me in those initial stages i might not have lost my family
2: yeah Um, that is so tragic and i think you know it's good to remind people that anger First of all is not sin in and of itself, and two, anger is a secondary Secondary emotion. Secondary emotion,
1: always, yes.
2: So what should people do in the anger stage so they process well and they don't damage or further damage their important relationships?
1: well this was a revelation to me in the christian world that you could actually be angry at the god of the universe that you could go to your knees in prayer that you could shout that you could cry that you could blame even yeah um and not that i'm recommending those things but if you're going to have an intimate relationship with god if you believe that god exists And you're seeking an intimate relationship with him those who are closest to you that you can pour your heart out to you're going to be able to cathart verbally right and this is what I learned to do with the God of the universe I learned that I didn't have to be afraid of offending him none of this surprised him he knew my deepest emotions. He knew what was coming from me, but something very healing happened when I expressed it to him. And then I felt like there was this loving relationship coming back and that it would be okay. And that he would help me heal that. And a lot of that happened for me by being in prayer and being in
2: scriptures. Right. Well, and I think it's realizing the God of the Bible is big enough to handle anything we can dish out, and he's, he's loving enough that he both understands and continues to care, and his response is not going to be offense, it's going to be wanting to draw us into himself. so yeah he
1: he does he's not going to punish me (laughs) for treating him that way which is how i would have felt in my performance-based religion that i could never 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 show that kind of disrespect and i i don't even see it as disrespect i see it as something that you do with someone that you trust in intimate relationship he's certainly able to handle it and he's certainly able to lead you to places and to things that are healing. In fact, he himself is a healer. Truth is healing.
2: Uh, Yes, absolutely. So you would say in the anger stage, go ahead and go to God and, and be honest, be open, let him into that anger, let him speak into it. Um, and it's probably better that they vent that anger on God than maybe on other people that they're close to because I think that's what I that's what I've seen as I've worked with people is very often in that anger stage uh, people will lash out and will damage um, some of their closest relationships uh, be, because they are because they are so angry So what is there anything that you think people should avoid in this anger stage things that we might tend to by default or naturally that maybe it's good to use some self-restraint some self-control and just say no let's not do this in our anger
1: you know christianity talks about something called boundaries um if there are toxic relationships or there are things that might make a relationship toxic that you care about um, You might put some boundaries on things that you're going to talk about or ways in which you communicate with humans. Okay, so I'm recommending (laughs) that with God, you're very authentic and that you can be hyper-emotionalism. But with humans, um, you need to be very sensitive to how they are going to receive information and recognize that they, too, have to go through these stages. So, if you're about to leave performance-based religion, you're done, you've had enough, and you're telling a spouse, and this is new information to a spouse, um, you have to recognize they're going to do the shock, and then they're going to do the denial, and then they're going to feel the anger and maybe the depression and you really need to roll with that and allow them to do that and if they're stuck in the anger thing not to take it personally toward you but allow that person to cathart because relationships can be easily easily broken
2: in all of this chaos wow that that i mean that is so good that is so practical And I guess the other thing that I might add to that is, um, find a safe group where you can emote, where there are other people who maybe are in the same stage you are, where you can express. And you and I are both part of online support groups for transitioning people. Um, And those groups are great places to let off steam, to express some of the anger, the frustration and have people come alongside you who understand and and who can pray for you and who can help you and who say, yeah, there can be a light at the end of the tunnel.
1: And do you know, those Facebook groups didn't necessarily exist when I went through this. They have since been there. Um, And I didn't really know ministries to reach out to. So for me personally, Women's Bible study was very healing to have a small group that knew me, that would pray with me, that I could be in the Word with, that I could ask questions to. We had a pastor, too, who was willing to meet with us and answer our questions. And then my husband and I were in a couple's Bible study. And those things were very healing to me because I was moving forward with what was true, shedding what wasn't true, and just that process was extremely healing for me.
2: Well, let's go ahead and conclude here. Um, and as again, we we want to encourage you if you know something here has resonated, you want more information, you can write to Lynn and I via our podcast at unveilinggracepodcast.com. Any, any last words of encouragement that you want to share with the people that are listening, Lynn?
1: It does get better. In fact, life is much better on this side. Certainly, freedom in Christ is a wonderful way to live.
2: Cool. Okay. So um, thanks for being with us until next time. And like I said, next time, we're going to continue this conversation and go into the other stages with practical help, advice, and specific scriptures that are helpful because the scripture has so much to say about all these uh, stages of grief and transition. So once again, thanks so much, and we look forward to having you again on the Unveiling Grace podcast.
1: Next week.
2: Bye.